All right, party people, welcome to it. This is Damian L. Butler, and welcome to another episode of Tuesdays and Thursdays Leadership Sessions. Today, we're talking about a lot. We're talking about all of the, the political and civil unrest in our country, and we're working on trying to come up with solutions. I say we because I'm joined today by a good friend of mine, uh, someone I've worked with, someone I believe in. Ms. Tracy Pekonowitz is a, a mother, an activist, a firm believer in equality, and she has given her energies to the Obama and Clinton administrations. Today we're going to talk about quite a bit. We're going to talk about the some of the problems that we see, some of the solutions that we can uh, implement, and where we see things going in the future. Tracy, thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me, Damien. Hi to all your listeners. I'm so happy to be here and uh, looking forward to really digging into a meaningful conversation today. Looking forward to it as well. So let's jump into it. What are, what are the answers? Because one of the biggest things that I say for, you know, how do we move forward is vote. Right. I mean, and you being, you know, tied into, you know, the, the Biden campaign. At this point, I mean, I, he's, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word savior, but he, he's the answer right now. Right, right, so, right. So, you know, what are, the, what are the policies that are going to matter? And, you know, that's on the national level. Yeah. You know, local level politics, really, is it what, what makes the difference. Local and state. You know, like the, the whole Donald Trump thing is just, I'm not a fan, so. Well, it's jarring. It, I don't, but part of it is just the simple fact that people, it, it was a lesser of two evils, and then people just decided to check out. You mean with Hillary and Trump? Yes, in, in 16. Okay. The people, it was the lesser of two evils because that was the perception from people. Right. I mean, it's all a lot of it is media spin. So that's just a matter of, well, like I said, you're closer to it. So I, I mean, I, I want to hear your your take on it. Okay, perfect. 2016 election cycle. Yes. I mean, in the whole, I mean, the percentages that came out, who voted, who didn't vote, and why right. we are. And I, I don't think that Hillary Clinton being in office would have changed the current state of where we are i just think that we would be it'd be a little bit different i think it would be a lot uh the re the reaction from on high would have been a lot more uh proactive and i think we could have solved a few more things quick a little quicker yeah so i think i disagree with that statement i think that um hillary being in office would have changed a lot of things I think if you look at the way that this president started his campaign, even in 2015, there were dog whistles that were being sent to these groups across the country who support uh, white nationalism and white supremacy and wanted to bring things back to the 1950s, right? When white folks thought that the 1950s were such a good time, right? because they don't look at it from the perspective of the black communities or communities of color, right? So I think starting out of the gate in 2015, you had uh, the dog whistles being sent 
to let these groups know that they were going to have support if Trump got into the White House, right? Because when you look at who voted for him, it was the uneducated white male population in the South, the lower socioeconomic stratus, right? Uh Strata. It was white women, which for me as a white woman kind of blows my mind. And then when you look at, you know, exactly what you just said, I think was the impact of people not doing their own research on the lesser of two evils between the two candidates. If you look at Hillary's record, Hillary Clinton has a solid record of giving a voice to the voiceless and empowering underserved communities. I mean, and that's not just talking point, that's her record, making sure that, you know, chip children's health insurance, children whose parents um, are on the lower socioeconomic level have health insurance because of Hillary Clinton, right? And I don't, and I don't think, um, I don't think the dog whistles that were sent out in 2015 and 2016 would have flourished into the environment that we have today had Hillary won. So I'm not saying that we wouldn't have had issues because of course we had issues. But if you look at Hillary's campaign, she had all of the mothers of the movement behind her. Okay. Every single one of them. Right. So, um, so I kind of shun when people say, you know, it was the lesser of two evil, because to me, that's just an indication of a few things. It's an indication that the campaign wasn't really effectively getting Hillary's message out about who she is. They were allowing her to be defined by the media. And it also says to me that people weren't doing their research on their own, their own independent research. I mean, you know, 2016, 2020, there's no excuse why people can't do their own research to find out people's voting records, you know, and their policy statements. So if we as voters, it's incumbent upon us to really be able to um, sort through the dust, if you will, and the smoke and mirrors and find out what's fact from fiction. You know, I so think people are just lazy. I agree with you a thousand percent. We're, we're in a soundbite, you know, society that everything is yes. like if it's on, it, you can Google a phrase and it comes up and you can match everything. And it and that's I mean, that's why I say it was just, you know, people had their reasons. And I say less of two evils because for whatever reason, you know, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton ruined Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign. As 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 bad as that sounds, that, that's my semi-educated and political science view because everybody was tying everything that happened in the 90s and, you know, the things that Bill Clinton did to what Hillary Clinton was going to do. They really didn't take her Senate you know her time in the Senate, her time as Secretary of State, the things that she did. They it was they tied everything to Bill Clinton, and it was just a propaganda game. Well, and that's interesting that you say that too, because what were people tying to Bill Clinton? Right, they were tying his. Go ahead. The crime bill, the uh, no, that whole thing of the super predators, that that it's especially for. The black community and the you know the so on the social economic the the, yeah. the uh the prison industrial complex yes they tied her into all of that right. I mean everybody's being tied like anything that happened back in the nineties during the Clinton the you know the first Clinton campaign was going to come right. back 
during this game. So it was she didn't she didn't get a uh, she didn't get her her like I said her voice wasn't wasn't uh, amplified enough, but they turned it into a pariah, and people yeah. were like, you know what? I don't want I don't want the same thing. And I'm not going to get anything from Trump. And Hillary's just going to do the same thing as 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 Bill. So I'm not voting at all. And that was the you know, so people just checked out. And well, yeah, I think I think there was also the element of you know with Hillary. Yeah, I mean Bill Bill actually owned his mistake in that crime bill. I mean he came out and said you know it was a mistake. Three strikes are out. It was it was a mistake. Hindsight let us see that you know, this was impacting communities of color uh, far worse than we had, we could have ever expected, right? Because when you write a law, when you sign a bill into law, it's all theory until it gets put into play, right? right? But, um, but you know, he came out, I think that people tied, if people were really paying attention to Bill Clinton's accomplishments and tying Hillary to the accomplishments, I mean, we had the longest peacetime economic expansion in U.S. history, right? Bill Clinton was the one who signed the welfare to work legislation. Um, so people could who were on welfare would have tools that they need to go into work. Um, you know, he definitely had some policy flaws, you know, the crime bill being one of them. But when you look at overall what Bill Clinton accomplished, you know, people, I think people just didn't find Hillary likable. I think her personality, when you see her personality behind the scenes, you're able to connect with her. But when you can't connect to a candidate in front of you, you're going to connect to the one who you can connect to. And the, the, the big thing is that the popular vote and the electoral college, it was like those right. areas of, you know, people voting against their own interests, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the poor, white, and uneducated areas of the country. Yes. And, the, you know, the rural, rural America. It's like here yes. in Michigan, it, this is Trump country. Outside of outside of Detroit and maybe uh, Grand Rapids. Right. I mean, you ride around the neighborhood and, and there's signs everywhere. And it's like, my personal politics with that is just like, uh, if, you, if, if you're okay, it, it's just a... It is what it is, but the the matter the, the matter of fact is people need to need to vote, and yeah. they need 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 to get active. But the research piece, and you know, people just want to be entertained, and we have a true entertainer in the right. White House. Right. Now I agree with that. I also think you know, I think we sell ourselves short when we say people need to vote, because that's just. That's something that comes around every two and four years, voting, right? right? I think you can't be a part-time citizen in this country. Citizenship in this country needs to be full-time. True. And what that means is staying involved with your local and state elections. It's following the policies that are happening um, 24, you know, all throughout the year, maybe not 24-7, like some junkies like me, but, you know, dig beyond the local news, because then when the election time comes around and when you have to cast your vote, you're a much more informed voter. And not only that, I mean, when you take the environment right now, look at what's happening after the murder of George Floyd. Police departments are now enacting policies that 
prohibit the chokehold, right? Police departments are now going through reform. And why is that happening? Because I said this a couple of weeks ago, I spoke at the uh, Lincoln Memorial at a vigil for George Floyd, right? I firmly believe we are at, at the second part of the civil rights movement. And change doesn't happen just by voting, right? The vote is really the culmination of the activity that has happened in the years preceding it. Okay, I, right? I agree with that. But also, one point that we need to make is this is not about George Floyd. No, George Floyd is just the last name. It is is the current name that's attached to it, and we we had we can go through you know a list. I I don't want to go through a list of names, but right, exactly. it's this is years of it's like you know what this is. I watched uh, um Dave Chappelle his his eight minutes forty six seconds you know thing that he yeah. dropped, and there was it was it was Dave Chappelle. It wasn't ha ha funny. It was man that that's that's crazy the right. fact that he talked about but it was like this is you know when it, he talked about the guy i can't remember his name the, the he was a cop that got fired from the la police department that went on right. basically waged war against the la police department they found him up in the mountains in california and he said 400 police officers showed up to get this one guy right and it was like they showed up like that because one of their own was was right. killed so now, what, why do you think people, citizens, you know, normal people that are living day-to-day -day life are not going to show up when one of their own has been abused? And let's go through the, you're talking about going back to the 50s. And I've said right. it over and over again. It's like, we, every, the whole make America great. When was America great? All, but when, at what point was it liberty and justice for all? Agreed, a thousand percent. I agree. But when when those words were written, I was not included in that. Correct. Nor was, and I understand women. I'm a white woman. Nor was I. True. And but if and, you were rich, a, a rich white man. Correct. And and here's why I say I'm a white woman. Nor was I is because for me, there's a big disconnect here with people, which is. And it goes back to, I don't want to be cliche, but it goes back to that they came for the socialists, but I didn't speak up because I wasn't a socialist, that poem. I say this because people need to realize that white women weren't included in this. And if white women realized that their white rights could get taken away just as easily, they would probably be more active. If Catholics realized that the KKK persecuted Catholics, white men who are Catholic would realize that eventually you're going to be on the opposite side of their you're going to be lumped in with everybody who doesn't fit their needs right now you know what i mean so right now there is um i i don't believe and i think this is why i'm so passionate about people just need to wake up and see it's not just right it's easy to target people of color because their skin is different but jews are white and they were being targeted because of their religion it's harder because people don't wear their religion on their sleeve or on their skin but if people from my perspective if people were to just realize that 
it can happen to you. And just because it's not happening to you now, doesn't mean that it's not ever gonna happen. And stop putting your head in the sand like an ostrich. I think it would be easier to get people together unified against systemic racism and you know crimes against the lgbtq community right and i i just think when you look at it from a big picture perspective right so i so that's i think that's always what always dumbfounds me is how can people speak out against racial equality and be against it because if it's happening against one group of people, eventually it's going to hit you. Mm. And not just out of soul, soul, soul preservation, but we're human, it, we're human beings. How can you be a Christian and not love thy neighbor? How can you be any major religion and not follow the principal tenet of loving your brothers and sisters? That's, 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 I wrote that down. The other, I was working on some other stuff, and religion was the, was the biggest thing. But the the two things that come up for me is is it everything is a is either or. You know, right. my two words now are apathy or empathy. Yeah. yeah. And more people are apathetic than empathetic. Yeah. It's like it's cool. Hey, that got nothing to do with me. Uh, my name's Paul. That's on y'all. I my name's <laughs> Ben, and I ain't in it. But right. now everybody has to get into it because it it it's going to come down to when it when it's your turn yeah and then when when the i don't know who said it first or where but it it spread out i mean it's a quote that i kind of it's a it's one of my mantras now when privilege is your norm equality feels like oppression right and nobody wants to to volunteer to be oppressed so it's like if i can just stay over here and, and keep my family safe and you know but in that you know, quite silent right now. I mean, the big thing is silence is compliance. Silence is letting it happen. So it's, it, it, it kind of like it, it, it has to start happening to other people to where they start to, to look and, and see the world in a different way. It's like the big thing, the big push now, and I see it for a lot of teenagers is uh, mental, mental wellness, mental health. Mental health, yeah. And they, they, they will fight. And when I say they teenagers and, and these students that I have, players on my team, they will fight to give someone a mental break. And you can't pressure them so much, or you have to you know, teach them a certain way. Or I'm I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a visual learner. You have to show me like. So they're forcing me as a coach or a teacher to change. Well, I'm, I can't learn that way. So they, they, they fight for certain things. And it, it's not that simple as, okay, I learned this way. You have to teach me this way. Right. But it, it's still, they're at a point where they understand what they need to stand up for and how to stand up. And yep. that needs to be taught, not just to, you know, the, the teenagers and that, that are up and coming, but adults, you know, our age have to relearn it and understand that it's not just about, it, it's, and I say it all the time, it's not about me. You know, right. I, I look and try to put things together. Okay, I want to go. I want to. I want to build a team. I'm, but you know, the play, the right players aren't coming out. Is it because they don't like me as a coach? No, there's so many other things going on that it's not about us. 
Correct. And that's what everybody has been so far. And everybody is 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 America. And I don't say everybody because the majority of America who has overlooked this situation, who's never had to live it, mm-hmm. is like, oh, that 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 was happening. Right. Like, wait a minute, I'm on, I'm and I, this is crazy when I say this. I'm closer to fifty than I am forty, and I've dealt with this all my life. I mean, I, I grew up in the D.C. area at a time when they were saying young black men from 18 to 24 were an endangered species. Right. right. But now is the time that, oh, we have to, you know, and, and a lot of it has been, I mean, everybody goes on a black-on-black crime. Crime is about proximity. This is about accountability for leadership and, you know, making change. If we can start to hold people we got to hold our leaders accountable. The top yeah. leader in the country does not take accountability for anything. So yeah. it trickles down. But when we when we go to the local level, it's a lot easier to deal yeah. with those leaders because you see them. You actually, I mean, the mayor of your town, you know, the town, we live in townships here, a lot of them across Michigan. It's, it's very similar to New Jersey. Right. So you know where the mayor lives. He doesn't have, the, you know, he doesn't have a mayor's mansion. He's, he just he's, he lives two blocks over from you. You can go in front of the, name, the, the mayor's house and say something. You right. go shopping with the you know school board president. You know your yeah. child. You know so that's I mean it, that's the point that we have to start teaching. Just I mean to your point that it's not about every two years and four years. I mean we have an off cycle this year for elections. We, we vote in August. Right. The kids don't even get out of school for election day this year, but we vote. So we have but that's for local stuff that needs to happen on, on and. I don't know what the the method is to get everybody more involved in that, but that's where it comes in. Where you you start holding people accountable at this level to make the changes that need to happen. But a lot of it is is you're you're trying to, I mean, this is a fire hydrant mentality trying to, you know, take a straw to it. You know, that's not happening. This this is is an explosion. How do you you deal with an explosion? I think sometimes explosions need to happen in order to affect change. Oh, I agree. I mean, and because the reality of it is, is, you know, you can't placate a population and put your hand on their head and say, oh, yes, we're listening to you. We're listening to you and not make any changes, because then what happens is, is it starts to build up like it did now. Right. This was not about George Floyd. This was like it enough is enough. I think what we started doing right with our youth um, is and even I think it started with my generate like when I was in college. Right. I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40. Um, But I think really starting to implement and this is may sound hokey, but you know, start implementing things like diversity training and diversity awareness, right? Because people need to see the other side of somebody else's perspective. And I think because now you want to talk systemic in certain areas, not in all areas, otherwise there would not be, you know, these populations responding to dog whistles that there are. But um, I think in certain populations, it's really started to uh hit from generation to generation so that the this younger generation now is like well what is this all about why is this happening you know like this is an antiquated mentality so i also think you know by us educating 
future generations. We're empowering them to recognize what's wrong. And like you said, we're also empowering them to use their voice. Because I also think parenting has changed, right? In terms of it's not do as I say, not as I do. That's the mentality that's in the White House right now. Indeed. From a parenting perspective, I think we've grown as parents to be able to give our children voices. And when our kids have voices, then um, they are empowered to speak out for themselves and against, you know, issues that are wrong. Um, so I think we're doing, there's a heck of a lot work, more work needless to say that needs to be done. But I think when you see this explosion happen and you see more young people coming out to fight, uh, I think that's attributed to the foundation that is being laid at an earlier age, which is extremely important because that to me is one of the main ways that you affect long-term change. You could change legislation, you could have new laws on the books, but it takes people to execute and carry those uh, laws out. And if their belief system is not aligned uh, in a way that impacts the greater good, then you're going to end up with situations like we have happening all too often. But again, I think the day-to-day, -day, right? It's a day-to-day. -day. People need to pay attention to what's happening locally, right? When we talk not just up ballot, that's the top of the ticket, like the national elections, but down ballot, right? That's the state, the local, the most change and have the most impact. So people really just need to stay involved in what's happening locally, but also, you know, elevate their own communities. Right. I mean, there's, I think one of the, um, I have a friend of mine who lives in Grand Rapids. So I think it's fantastic that you mentioned Grand Rapids and, uh, we've been friends since we're 18. <clears throat> she, uh, is a veteran of color. She's actually, she's a vet and she's a veterinarian. But, um, for my birthday, a few years ago, she sent me a gift certificate to a place that for a massage, but it was a black owned business. And I now refer people there. Why? Because we also have to empower and elevate people who uh, don't start out at the gate at the same starting line, but about 50 to 100 yards or 200 yards behind the starting line. Yeah. Right. So it's also elevating communities. So I think one of the great things that's happening now is especially I live in Montgomery County, Maryland. Right. It's a very white area. Um, but you see our high school students and some of the listservs posting, these are the black owned restaurants in the community, support these restaurants. You know what I mean? Like there is, I feel like there's more of a coming together across all sectors of people to say, this is enough. And that's, I don't know if you listened to John Lewis, he spoke a couple of weeks ago. I think he was standing in the middle of Black Lives Matter Plaza that Muriel Bowser uh, put up in DC. That's just dope. That right? Is dope. It's, it's fantastic. But he said what's different about this movement is when you look out into the audience and to the crowds, it's not, it's, it's a mosaic of people. It's not just one people. And I think everybody needs to do their part, you know, and again, you know, equality is not like pie, just because you're getting a piece doesn't mean that I'm getting less of a piece. I mean, there's 
equality is equality. I mean, if that was the case, then why don't we, uh, this is gonna be a soundbite that could use it, could be used against me in the future. But really, if equality is a piece of a pie, then why are white people still procreating? And why are they not afraid that they're gonna have that a new white person in the neighborhood is gonna take away their piece of the equality pie? So the fact that people feel like there's a, they're losing something by having more people have access to equality is completely off the charts ridiculous privilege or or you know it, it that it's the it you're, you're changing you changing the way people think i mean i had a yes. conversation years ago with one of my co-workers it was before the 16 election right. but it was in that 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 cycle and i and white dude white what white dude uh he was a you know white soldier grown man right. i mean doing his thing and we were just talking about the just the climate and it was like right. people are getting people are afraid of a lot of things but the people that are the the people that are most afraid now are straight white men yes because yes. they feel like they're losing something in the world and they have that they're fighting to keep right and that's just been the american way has always been to to cater to them to give them yeah. what they want because that's just the way Correct. i mean that's how you voted way back in the day i mean you you own land the only people that can own land were men and yep. those men were white so right just so the 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 we'll just go from the from 1776 forward that's right. just been their way of life they're born into that and it's like and they don't want to lose it and when they when they see somebody else stepping up, other people, Hillary Clinton. I mean, it, it's one thing that everybody knows that you know. My, I don't want to say everybody knows, but mom runs the house. Cool. Yeah. But when I when we step outside, daddy's in charge. Right. But now women can you know that they they get ridiculed when they're trying to step up and lead in society. Yes. And then you know, if you're not a, a white dude, like leaders. It, Leader development, I mean, that's just huge for me. I talk about leadership all the time. And I ask people all the time, what do leaders look like? And just out of the process of, of, of going through it, they usually push to the white guy in the room. And a lot of times, especially now with teenagers, they're, they're so shy and afraid of themselves that girls have always, girls scientifically mature faster, they're yeah. smarter, Girls work hard. I mean, you you look at the knuckleheads and knucklehead teenage boys, and you look at teenage girls. There's a few female knuckleheads, but most of them are boys. But then all of a sudden they grow up to be in charge. How does that happen? And that that's that that privilege and that that fight that I'm losing something because by birthright I just can't be in charge anymore. Right. And let's not underestimate, let me be very clear, because I say this to my friends who are white mothers of boys. Let's not underestimate the role that the white mother plays in this, right, of propping their son up on a pedestal because the son could do no wrong, right? So I'm Sicilian. My uncle could do no wrong. My uncle's son, who you've met, could never do anything wrong. You know, I have family and friends who I've seen such a difference in the way that they raise their sons to raise their daughters. And 
I'll call out my friends on it because just because it's a boy doesn't mean that you coddle them and say, it's okay that you made this mistake because what you're teaching them from birth, that their mistakes have no consequences are the lessons they carry with them into adulthood. And mothers, as well as fathers, but mothers need to realize that if they are not teaching their sons to respect them as people, not as a mother, when those boys grow older, they have a lesser uh, regard for females. How mothers allow their sons to treat them is how sons are trained and taught to teach other women in adulthood. And that for me is one of the biggest overlooked lessons um, that women, and one of the biggest mistakes women make, right? I mean, we're human, but let's learn this lesson. It's 2020. So for example, when I had, when, uh, I would have young boys over what family member or not family friends, friend sons over for dinner. And there were people were done with dinner. Plates were on the table. The boys would get up and leave and the women and the girls would put their plates in the seats in the sinks. And I would say, excuse me, boys, come in here in this house. Everybody is responsible for putting their own plate in the sink right? Because it's little things like that, that says, that starts teaching them, I am exempt from things that women have to do. And it's a, it's an important lesson. And they, and they grow up to be your president. Correct. <laughs> but, and, and I look at that as like things that happen at home don't happen out in, in society. We look at who, who does, who does most of the cooking in the house? Stereotypically, Stere- women. stereotypically women. Most chefs are male or female. Right, they're men. What's, and what's the difference? They they they're both cooking, right? Right. But one's in charge. One has a, a title of being in charge. That's right. And and so if women do the cooking, how are men better chefs? Right. Right. I mean, where does that? And, and that's just stereotypically that's just the, the lessons we learn and those are the, the shifts that we have and those the things are going on and that's just on you know for white men white straight white men right. that's that's the issue for i mean for me growing up i mean i there there are issues and you know that black mothers have with their sons but then and most of the time they coddle their sons too but you know, I grew up with a single mother. She raised three three kids, two boys and a girl. And to this day, she says something and I go like this, right. I get in trouble. <laughs> All I'm doing is I'm just trying not to get slapped, but I'm raising my, it, it's just a, a ingrained, this is how we do things. And yes. all right, you don't, you just, first of all, you, you talk smart, you, you getting one. So don't talk smart. You no, know, don't get. Right. But it, it's it's those are learned lessons that 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 you know, travel that that carry over into different places, and right. I mean, we have to start teaching new lessons. Do Do you react like that when your when your wife says 
something to you that you're not doing. <laughs> see, I mean, it's it's the you know I'm I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm like, okay, where's she at? Because it's coming. But it's you know, all right, hold on. So you got to protect yourself. But it, it's a uh, you know, those are those are. I can't, but I I know there's certain things I just can't say and get away with. Yes, that's exactly right. And it's there's just certain things I can't just do, but. Because I, you know, there's a consequence, and there's always been a consequence, and now that consequences are coming, people don't want to recognize them, or they say that you can't, you can't exact, you can't create that consequence, and basically it's like telling people how to protest. You can't tell me you. I've I've told you over and over again. Stop doing that. Stop. Right. Stop doing that. Stop doing. Don't do that. That that that. that, that stop doing that. Now right. when I punch you in your face, oh my God, you hit me in the face, and you're you, you should never put your hands on me. What I told right. you? How many? How? Like I said, thirty years ago. Right. We, I lived in it, looking at the news and people getting abused and you know by people not being not being held accountable. Rodney King was what coming up on thirty years ago. Yeah. Yes. But we still yes. dealing with the same issue. Correct. And you're gonna tell me that this is this is not the right way to do it. Correct. Look, I need to get you off well, my neck. You you didn't like the way Kaepernick did it. So now we're doing it another way. You didn't like the way MLK did it because you assassinated him and he was peaceful and you know all of those protests were peaceful, but you assassinated him anyway. So this really isn't about how we're doing things, it's about what we're demanding and you don't like what we're demanding. And guess what? Too bad. It's too late now, now it's time to, time to pay the piper. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's it's time to prom. It's time to deliver on the promise that is written in the Constitution. You know, I have uh, uh, folks who, you know, I uh, I have folks who are on the opposite end of the political spectrum, and family members who are as well. And I try to be really, really patient because I feel like there's an element of educating that needs to happen. And, you know, some folks, of course, you know, I stand for the flag. And I say, well, let's think about the last lines of the Pledge of Allegiance with liberty and justice for all. So you want people who have not had liberty and who do not have equal justice to stand and pledge allegiance for that to that flag who are delivering to them, who are not, that's not delivering to them. And veterans, you get veterans get oh in such a tizzy about how can we, you know, disrespect the veterans. Well, are you thinking about all of the black veterans throughout history who were fighting to protect this country, who were fighting against the Nazis, who fought in the Civil War but couldn't cast a vote? Because there's nothing more disrespectful to a person who lays his or her life on the line for this country, and that country smack them in the face and say, you cannot vote. Are you thinking about those vendor- veterans or just veterans who look like you? Just veterans who look like them. It's like, I'm like, I'm that whole, well, I've because I've done my due diligence and I've done research and that's just something I do, I knew why Colin Kaepernick was kneeling. Yes, but when it came to uh, about the flag and veterans, it was it's 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 perplexing, especially as a leader developer. And I I, I want I, I like to say that more than a teacher or educator. You know, I, right. I develop leaders, but you have kids that wanna that, that wanna protest, 
And for me, being a veteran, I served in the Air Force Honor Guard where it was my job to carry the colors, to present yeah. the, the, you know, to protect and stand for the United States. My thing is for, you know, the protests, I, I went to other countries to give them freedoms and liberties. So you have the freedom and liberty to stand or not stand. So I stand, but I don't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Right. Because it's not true. I stand for the flag. My thing is, you can st- you can do protest however you want to protest, but as far as an organization that I'm in charge of, we're going to stand. You don't have to salute. You don't have to say the pledge. You have right. a right to protest because I fought for that right for you to have that right for your right. parents to have it for us to have it right. But you know, I I I have a, a certain you know respect and 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 emotional attachment to the flag because of the things that I've done. And, and I mean, I've been I've been on the color guard since I was 15 years old. So a lot of things are ingrained in me for a lot. But yes. if I'm I'm holding a flag, don't don't come over here and try to take it from me. Right. Now, right. And, and don't be disrespectful, but you have the right to protest. Don't, you know, don't, don't try to, you know, don't spit on me. Don't kind of ruin them. Yeah. Cool. Protest the way you need to protest. But, right. you know, like I would, recently with uh drew Brees, i was a big drew Brees fan when he came out with that you don't you know i don't stand for anybody disrespect my first tweet was oh you lost one and nothing you can say is going to change it because you you are you have completely missed the mark and you say you're for the city and you're doing all the stuff for new orleans but now that shows me you don't you're doing stuff for downtown new orleans you're not going out to where the real problems are so you have a right to say and do whatever you want to do and i fought for that right but when you start infringing on what I believe and we have to separate and go, go different ways. Well, and I think it's more than just infringing upon what I believe, right? When your thoughts and your uh, positions start infringing on my quality of life, because that's really at the end of the day, what it is, you're infringing upon my quality of life. Because what you're doing is you're saying, I have less right of the, than you do to protest. I have less right than you do to exercise the rights that are afforded to me through the American constitution, right? I mean, that's really when, and this is this is the position I take, look, you wanna say people don't have, you, you wanna say you don't believe everybody's equal. I don't agree with that. But if that's your train of thought, God bless you, I don't know what to say, you know. But if you say people are not equal and therefore you cannot vote, you cannot have the same education that I have, you cannot um, eat at the counter with me, you cannot have the same economic opportunities that I have, then that's when I have the problem. When you start infringing upon my quality of life or someone else's quality of life, when you start infringing upon somebody's right to due process because you killed them before that due process could take place, then that's where the problems begin, right? So, and I think that's, I think we, uh, on a lot of things that we say, we need to pull the thread a little bit to really say, to understand what they mean. So Drew Brees could issue his apology Oh, you know, I was wrong. I and it was funny because Drew Brees, getting back to what you were just saying, Drew Brees, when he put out his video statement, um, 
about the flag and then a bunch of um, uh, athletes, black athletes, football players and basketball players were making their comments and he said, one gentleman, I don't remember who it was, said, well, Drew Brees is probably going to apologize, but we know exactly where that apology is going to come from, and that's going to be because of the backlash that he's going to start to face. And lo and behold, you know, and, and the, the athlete said, and so um, his apology is really going to mean nothing because we already see who he is. And that's it. So I'm done. Right. That's it. We, people see. And this is something else, too. So this is, I think, also an important message, right? So, again, a white woman. I don't understand why people, especially white people, when in, in defense of their, to try to deny the, their privilege and to try, try to deny that they have racist tendencies or have been influenced since birth on stereotypes for people of color, anybody who doesn't look like them, right? Uh, they'll go, well, I don't see color. I don't, I don't see color. And I always say, I don't really understand why you say you don't see color. Because when you don't see color, you're not seeing people's car culture, you're not seeing their heritage, you're not seeing their roots, you're not seeing their challenges, you're not seeing their accomplishments, their brilliance, their resilience. Why do you say you don't see color? Our beauty is in our diversity, right? I mean, that's, you know, I've studied and worked on four different continents. Um, ranging from North Africa to Asia to Europe, right? And, and I've never really, you know, I've had the privilege to sit on a Maori reservation in New Zealand um, and, you know, hang out in Morocco with folks who share their culture. And I always felt richer from understanding people's cultures. So why do we say we don't see color? Because then really we're denying someone else's existence and what makes them who they are. And what a shame that we're not enriching the people who we could be by denying seeing people. So we need to see people. We I used to hear it a lot in the army, well, in the military, between the Air Force and the Army. Right. I don't see color, I just see green. Uh and no, see, not in, really. <laughs> in the military though, it's it's a there's a there's a mechanism in place to make sure that you know, everything isn't just washed out and it's all green. There are differences. Yeah. You know, EEO and, and you know, Defense uh, Equal Opportunity Management Institute, DOMI right. is a huge thing. And there's people who build solid careers on understanding diversity, equality, equity, yeah. you know, all the, and the difference between equity and equality. So uh, I can understand it, but I don't get that, that liberty. Because, right. you know, I can't walk around and say, oh, I don't see color. Oh, I no, see it you, every morning. Right. But Well, it's not even that you don't see color. It's that color is thrown in your face and shoved down your throat everywhere. Especially going through the process. Because, I mean, everybody, I've always heard. I remember taking the class in undergrad. And it was like a, it was a sociology class. And it was like, it was talking about diversity and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we read all kinds of books like we, we read we, we read a book on a homosexual relationship blew my mind but we had to read it and discuss it so it was one of those classes and it was like what would you do if you could change something what would you change right and i said if i could change anything i would change the fact that i'm i, I change that i'm white 
And they were like, why would you why would you say that you want to be white? Because the things that I want to accomplish in life are a whole lot easier if my skin right. is white. Right. I want to be a fighter pilot. I want to be an officer in the Air Force. It, if I would simply me walking in the room and saying that now the conversation has always been different. I look like my commander. I look like the guy that I want to recommend me to the so it's easier for me. I'm not I can't change it. I'm not saying I want to be white. I'm just saying if I could change it for the process on the path that I'm on, it'd be easier. But right. I still made, you know, strides and, and got the things I needed to do. I didn't become a fighter pilot, but that has nothing to do with the color of my skin. That's because right. I can't hold down my food. But that's another story. <laughs> but there are processes that are just easier, you know, based on, and this, again, this is, but at that point, it's 20 years ago. So, right. so many things have, have happened in my life that are still happening to young people now that want to go on, on a certain path. I mean, I remember sitting down talking to my cousin who is my age, and after, this was shortly, no, this was right before I retired. He was like, yo, you made it. And I retired as a major, so. Um, he kept calling me XO. This is my cousin who I grew up yeah. with, who knows my name, who knows dirt. And he was like, yo, XO, come here. Let me talk to you. XO. Because even when he was in the army and we're the same age, he didn't right. see a lot of black people in those positions. Right. I'm like, this in the see, he he's he's a little closer to 40 than he is 50, but we're still close enough in age that right. this is this is my lifetime that people are saying these things. And it's like, how do we, it's, it's, there are people, I mean, you're going to have, you know, the bad apples. There are yeah. criminals in the world. There are criminals everywhere. So black on black crime is not going anywhere anytime soon, no matter what we do on this side for accountability of police, because there's always this, but when you go to the rural areas or, you know, where the, the poor white people live, the criminals in the poor white people, poor white neighborhoods are white. So yeah. That's going to be there, but it's right. like developing and changing the processes to help people. Equity It's just simple when when equity seems like oppression. It's like you're taking spots right. away from me so you can get in here. When I was in OCS, there were literally 12 percent. We had 130 people. I think there was 14 black officer candidates. All of us made it in, you know, all of us graduated. So 12 percent, that's it. The, the military has a has a has a mechanism to kind of even things out and be you know the utopia of society, but once we leave the military, who do I call? Who who is they on? Who is they on me in the real world? That's right. So That's that I don't see color, mm, uh, but now I got you know you got to notice me. So and, right. and you if you overlook me. Now we have a problem because it's like, oh, I don't, I didn't recognize him because, you know, I just, you know, now because you you do things with people you're you're comfortable with, right? You know, you hire your friends, which I'm learning more and more as you know, I, I did you know, go deeper into my civilian career. You know, networking is important. Yep. But you 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 only you hang out with people you know, and the way we talk about diversity in the military is. If you walk into a room, you walk into a, a, a defect, the dining facility, you have your tray, you have your food, and it's a multi-service, you know, facility. So you're looking around and there's there's a seat at the Air Force table, there's a seat at the yep. Army table, there's a, where are you gonna sit? Right. With your service. Right. 
Right. It doesn't matter. All, you know, everybody in the Air Force is black. Everybody in the Navy is Hispanic. I'm sitting with Army because I'm a soldier. Or, right. if it, you know, whatever. But I'm sitting because you just know what you know. We have to be able to, to identify expand. with the people there. Right. And we have to learn to identify more. And that identity or that process of identifying is something that the power structure doesn't want to give up. They don't want to do. And I think people don't understand that, right? When they can just look in their own kind of backyard, you know, why is it that we have little Italy in New York? It's because when Italians emigrated to America, they all congregated together because they identified with each other. Right. And born was little Italy, born was Chinatown. Right. So it's now at the point, And again, you know, I said this a little earlier, but it's 2020. There is no reason why we have to continue being so ignorant about other people's cultures. You know, ignorance is no longer an excuse. It's a choice. That's true. You know, um, people could get online people for crying out loud. You can travel to different countries over the internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, nowadays, you can take tours of different places um, and see it firsthand, essentially, through the computer. You can learn about people's cultures, different cultures, people's history. There's no reason why we shouldn't be seeing each other as human beings with a rich history that's different than our own. I, I will I will add, say this. Little Italy, Chinatown, you know, when those folks came from Italy and China, they they congregated with people that were like them. Where does black America immigrate from? What right, culture do we have to, to You don't you never you didn't you didn't emigrate. So right. So we we've been here. So right. now when now when black people get together, we get together in inner cities. And for the most part, black people make up most of the ghettos and the ghettos are social, you know, socioeconomic deserts for a number of reasons. And that's part of the problem that and I, it's, it's very easy for us to sit here and, and have a conversation and say that that needs to be fixed. But overall, you need to go back to where it's been accepted that, you know, little Italy can can insulate itself from outsiders. Chinatown can insulate itself from outsiders, but when we have a history of outside America coming in to tear up, you know, black America. Yes. That that's that's part of how history works in this country and that is like how, how do you how do you fix that? How do you erase that? How do we keep that? I mean, now in, in recently in 2020, now lynching is a federal crime. Uh, I don't think officially it's a federal crime yet. Oh, okay. Not so now it's not, it's not even a crime. Correct. So you can hang me from a tree and some people will be like, Ooh, that's a bad thing. Some people be like, ah, whatever. But, but you, you, you shoot a dog. You, you shoot. I mean, it's, so it's a number of things. It's like, I, and I understand the, the insulation. I, I got a little Italy. I have, I understand Chinatown, but there is a, a there's a culture and yeah. a, a, a history that they can go back to that is built on years of you know just, but when you the 
when we talk about black history in America, yep. it starts with slavery. And then it's like, oh, we freed you. We did this. No, no, first of all, the. Right. Don't look for praise because you undid something that you shouldn't have done in the first place. That is not praiseworthy. That is the beginning of course correction. But and, and but when and, and that and that that's what this explosion is about. Right. All of my life, I mean, right. it, before I can remember, my, my dad, you know, rest his soul, can tell you stories. My grandfather, who you know, who passed on, he he was you know, he was the first black marshal for you know a section of you know the federal government in New York City. So you know, law enforcement runs deep in my family, but. So does, you know, abuse and being overlooked and being pushed into a certain area and this, that, you know, it, it's America has and it's not one person. It's, it's not Trump. I just don't like Trump because he's 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 a horrible leader, you know, and, and I've, I've said it a number of times on on so many platforms is this he you know leadership. Not I, I kind of ingrained the, the version, the definition, lead, the army definition of leadership, you know, purpose, direction, motivation, yada, 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 while improving the organization. Right. He doesn't, you know, he, he's not, we, we can go on and on, but so leadership has a certain level of responsibility, but it's not just on him. It's just the, the, the nature of this country. Right. And how do we fix that? I mean, we right now, Joe Biden is, is you know, we're, we're hoping that he's going to be, you know, the guy driving the ship, but... I mean that's he's on the he's on the bridge. What about you know the engine room? What about the galley? What you know we gotta how do we how do we do where the local we talked about you know local government but I'm a skeptic right now. Well, but it's also creating different committees, right? I mean you could be a skeptic. I think skepticism is good because history has not been favorable to uh, rapid improvement of course correction, right? So. I think that I think skepticism is good and I think you hit on something really important which is for a while there I think Americans were getting too comfortable in okay there was bad stuff going on but people were pretty comfortable the masses were pretty comfortable right like everybody was just very complacent they lost that bit of skepticism, if you will. But that skepticism has been brought to the forefront over the past four years, right? I think that's really important. I think if there's one thing, I can't believe I'm gonna say this. I think if there's one positive thing that came out of the Donald Trump presidency, it was a reminder to Americans that you need to stay engaged and involved and exercise your citizenship or your role, whether you're here as a student on a visa or as a legal alien, you need to exercise your role actively in this democracy regularly. You know, um, because when you don't, people like Donald Trump get elected. People like Mitch McConnell get elected. All of the enablers get elected, right? So I think that's the one thing that was a good reminder for America in Donald Trump's election, that it takes all of us to participate. 
Now, in terms of skepticism, I agree with your skepticism, but I think there's also stuff that we can do right on a day to day. Start going to your weekly city council meetings. Everything's online. Again, don't be lazy. You can live stream these things. Sit in the comfort of your own home and live stream your county council, your city council meetings what's happening in your state houses and your state senates, right? Look at what committees are there. So for me, I'm a troubleshooter. I don't look at what's happening. I identify gaps. I am hypercritical and you know, you probably know that because you and I have worked together. I am hypercritical because I am always looking for what is not right. Look at things from that perspective. What isn't there? So I was uh, president of the PTA in uh, my daughter's school. I looked at the positions that were not filled and some of the positions that hadn't been filled for a long time. One of them was an NAACP rep. Why don't we have an NAACP rep? Well, because we live in a majority white district and it's not a priority for people. I found an NAACP rep, why? because this is everybody's community and everybody needs to have a seat at the table and use their voice, right? So whether it's looking at the local PTAs and creating a spot for an NAACP rep, going to your city council or your county council and looking at what committees are there and what's not being represented and holding people accountable. We pay taxes. We pay elected officials salaries. If you're in the business and somebody is working for you and not doing what they need to be doing, you're gonna hold them accountable. Why do taxpayers fall flat on holding elected officials accountable? We're making up for it now with what's happening across the country, but that's just one element, right? Wow. One element that needs to happen on a weekly and you know get it for moms right get a group of moms together and who have the same interest you don't want to go every single week to the boring city council meeting rotate you know have one go this week one day have a group of four you could go once a month cover a group uh of you know a month's worth of meetings write up summaries and start to develop action plans you know, here's the, here's the reality. The old adage holds true. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. <laughs> That's Learn funny. That's just squeaky. one of my bosses. That was his mantra. That was his mantra. Right. That's hysterical. That was his. So be squeaky. You see something that there where there's a gap? Be squeaky. And don't let anybody tell you that you need to tone your voice down or you need to protest in a way that I am telling you, you need to protest because it's not anybody else's right to tell you how to fight for something you have a right to as a human being and as someone who lives in this country. That I told my daughter, you know, my, my youngest daughter is 16 and you know now the world is opening up to her in, in new ways. And none of this is new, but it's new for her. Right, yeah. So sure. I was like, you know, and like I said, my my quick fix is vote. And if you can vote for office, you can run for office. 
Yeah. And I told her, I said, at this point now, at, at 16, if you start something in school, and by 18, when you're eligible to vote, you're eligible to run for office, and you decide to run for office, and you have this, just your group, your class, because we're, we're, we have three schools, three high schools right next to each other, and makes up what we call a park. So if you get to a point where when you turn 18 and all the seniors in your school know who you are, know what you're fighting for, all the seniors in the other school, all the seniors in the third school know, when you go in and they want to vote because some they see somebody their age trying to do something, right. you have a landslide victory for to be on the school board or the city council. Just for where we live. Not I'm not talking about anything for the state or federal level. Right. Just for where we live. And now that whole thing of okay i know you know you, you kind of gravitate to what you know you're going to pay attention to issues that you know affect your friends or young adults and now it's like wait well, now because i know you i can call you and say hey i heard that you know the school is about to do this i think that is this that and so you should do something about it right now you have change and right. you know running for office and being have, ha having your voice heard and it doesn't always mean running for office. It's just a matter of going to stand in front of the mayor's house. I'm like, yo, you need to fix this. And right. now changes. I mean, it's, it's gravitating and, and it goes to the three things I talk about when I talk, you know, talking to leaders. Be able to communicate, yep. build relationships, and be accountable. Yep. And that accountability is what changes, you know, going down the line. And that, that's, that's right. the big thing that, that, I'm, that I want to see. The accountability to hold... The the the, perp, the I can't get it out. Holding the the police and law enforcement and leaders accountable for the actions of their people. Right, right, right. And and you know, millions of people are market, marching around the world, and have been for the past two weeks. None of them are elected officials, and everybody is making a change. In Scotland, do you know in Scotland, because of what's happening here, they voted against sending shields and rubber bullets to the United States? Wow. I mean, it, it, it's, it has ripple effects. It, it's, a, it's a global movement, and I think in France, they banned chokeholds and pressure on the carotid artery for police reforms because of what's happening here. So it's not just um, elected officials and it's not just, again, voting. Democracy is not a part-time sport. Right, that's, that's a sound bite right there. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Go ahead, Go, I, I get you, that, that, that right. was good though. Right. Make... Democracy is not a part-time sport. We need to stay active. We need to stay engaged. Know your network precisely like you just said. Why? Because we're gonna get tired. And when we get tired, we need to be able to lay down and rest for a little bit, let other people continue the work, and we get back up and the work is still moving forward. Right? It's a, it's a matter of, of Mobilization, mobile, mobile, I can mobilization, getting people, getting people moving, and and it's a relay. You know, yes, it's a, it you is. don't have to do like just like you said, take take a take a take a knee, and then right. 
and just get that's back right. into it. And it, it's funny because the whole technique thing came from a veteran, but that's just yeah. how that when we're when we're doing things. All right, everybody in technique, let's go. You do it in sports and sit, rest, get off your feet, take a breather. All right, let's get back to it. And well, I mean, we can pass it over. Okay, it's, it's, it's my, I'm, I'm in the off cycle. Let's get ready to go back into it. So it, it's, I think what's happening now is going to the result of November. So I guess we're gonna have to talk again in December. Well, we're gonna have to see what's gonna happen. We'll, we'll definitely talk before December, but December, yeah. actually not even December, November, what is it, November 6th? Is that election day? I think November 3rd. Okay, November 4th. Once the result, well, if the results go the way we want, it may be December, January before we have a, a true winner because the crybaby is not going out right, without a right. fight. Correct. Well, and not for anything. And this is why I say democracy is not a part time sport because when you look at the voting machines, there has not been transparency from the government in terms of how easily those voting machines are able to be hacked and votes changed untraceable, right? When I say democracy is not a part-time sport, I'm saying Ivanka Trump got uh, patents for voting machines in China, right? We need to stay active and we need to keep our eyes open because on election day, it may end up being too late. So people should be speaking out against or in favor of having a voting system that works. Look at what just happened in Georgia. Right. Communities of color, right, completely disproportionately affected by um, voting machines that weren't working. It's voter suppression. It's another form of Jim Crow, right? So this is where I say, you, people need to stay engaged. It's not every two years and it's not every four years. It's the 365 days in between. Because then we get to the point where we go, well, how did this happen? Because people were sleeping on the, on the job. Because we Americans were sleeping on the job when we should have been active and paying attention to what's going on around us, especially when we have a hoodlum in the White House, right? You called him a hoodlum. Who, What's that? I said, you called him a hoodlum. <laughs> I don't know where that word came from. But you know, I mean, he's uh, grew up in New York City. I grew up right outside of New York City. I know that mentality. You will do what you can as long as you can get away with it. Yeah. And that mentality knows and thinks that they could get away with everything. So it's incumbent upon us to stay engaged and hold them accountable. And the reality of it is, is we are gonna get tired and there are gonna be a lot of uphill battles, but it's nothing that we haven't overcome before, right? We have fought uphill battles as people and overcome. So this battle might just be a little bit longer. The hill might be a little bit steeper, but when you get to the top, it's a it's a more beautiful panoramic picture than you could have ever imagined. Yeah. So you gotta stay focused on the reward and not that section of the hill. Or the mountain. It's, it's it's a lot of work. I'm I'm looking forward to. I've heard different uh, political analysts say that once because of you know the presidency, that Donald Trump has not been charged with the crimes that you know so many people have against him. So I'm very interested to see 
if the hoodlum is going to be held accountable once he becomes a private citizen again because that the things that you, you what you can get away with how many of the of the good people that the best people that he has have gone to jail the best people don't go to jail correct but we'll we'll see and hopefully that happens you know in you know starts in January 2021 but i mean we have to mobilize galvanize and 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 i i keep, i know i'm just saying it's not just the the four year vote but i mean that's just the short term for the next yes. election but we still need in that process because is is something going to happen with you know the next administration that people are going to be pissed off yep so we just need to be able to you know take that energy and move and keep you know our, our folks accountable right for whatever and- level no, and that's exactly right. And I'll tell you what, you know, to get back to what you just initially said about him being charged after he's out of office. Now, here's the reality. Number one, you know, if Hillary Clinton was in, Republicans would have charged her at, with any fabricated crime they could have found, regardless of the fact that she was president. This is another area where Americans could stand up and galvanize and mobilize. It is not illegal or against the Constitution or written anywhere in legislation that says the President of the United States cannot be charged with a crime while he is in office. It is a memo that is written by the Department of Justice that is 30, 40, 40 years old, written in the 70s during the Nixon administration when he was under investigation that the counsel there, Department of Legal Counsel for the Department of Justice said, the president cannot be charged for a crime while in office. So it's a Department of Justice policy. It is not a law. Americans could have flocked to the Capitol business building, could have bombarded members of the Senate Judiciary Committee to say, disregard that policy, charge the president. It's Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is the most powerful man in the United States. It's not Donald Trump. Right. It's Agreed. Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mitch McConnell got on TV and said, I am not going to do my job. He said that when Obama became president, he did not allow any judicial nominees to be passed. Because it was a lame duck president. Well, no, even in the first term, even in Obama's first term. He would not allow from all the federal, not necessarily the Supreme Court, but all the ju- the federally appointed okay. judges across the country. That's why Donald Trump is on a rampage, filling over 300 judicial appointments. That's a that's and, like a, a, a high point. That's a speaking point that he uses all the time. How how much he's done for the judiciary. Right. But it, it's and, not him. It's and, Mitch McConnell. Right, and because McConnell stonewalled Obama, and again. Americans didn't speak up and we allowed it to happen. And the Supreme Court is going to be slanted for a long time. Well, let's hope, uh, let's hope not. Well, <laughs> let's hope Ruth, Gator, Ruth Bader Ginsburg hangs in there. Joe Biden wins this year. <laughs> there, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a RBG fan. But she's ninety. How oh, is she? 90? 80, 80, uh, 80, 86, I think. All Closer right. Closer to ninety than to eighty, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it, it 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 takes. I think it's it's going to take 
a lot of motivation to get people to read, to get people to work and understand what it takes to make change. And the quick thing is voting, but long term, you got to stay, got to stay active. I mean, I, I we agree, like I said, a thousand percent on how that works, but it's a matter of getting everybody involved. You know, right. work right. for your. I mean, it, it's very easy just to watch TV and get a soundbite, but understand, understand what your interests are and work towards them. And social economics is always going to be a major issue for politics. Yeah. But as long as you keep people happy, you keep giving me money, I'm cool. And but we don't know what we don't realize second and third order effects. Correct. We don't we we don't as a as a overall society, I I say I, I need to say that because I understand them, you understand them, but as a majority, second and third order effects. They, they shouldn't come as, as a surprise because like you said, you're a troubleshooter. Where are the gaps? Because we have a gap here that's putting more stress over here. This is gonna break in the future. Right. And to your point earlier, people who don't understand second and third and fourth you know, effects are the same people who are voting against themselves. And just cause it's cool. But those are the four, the two and the four year, you know, action takers, so. Right. This, this this has been this has been fun in the beginning as like I, it was I was just so focused on the act of what's going on I was out I, I was writing stuff down and I was getting angry but yeah. it's like now there's there's time and and I mean nothing has nothing's really changed I mean the actions have taken place and you know, but I can kind of think about it more and be more level-headed and, and yeah. think think like a leader and not be emotional about it I mean, it, it still it still makes me angry. My wife does still does not watch the news, and you know, some I was watching something from that was recorded, well, created two years ago, and they were still talking about the same unrest and pro. So she was like, "I can't watch it." So it 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 just takes time to get through the. I mean, okay, the explosion happened. Now the dust is starting to settle, so to speak. Now we can move forward and, 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 and make things happen. So. Well, listen, change never happened out of happiness. Well, that's right? true. So anger is not a bad emotion. It's how you channel that anger that makes the difference. So anger, but sin not. Right. Get mad, that's, but right. you know, don't, don't, don't tear things up. And, that, and that's the, you know, you, you mentioned religion earlier. It's like all no matter what your religion is, everybody first of all, the big three religions in this country all talk about the same people. We just look at them in different ways. Jesus was a you no, know, he was he's not the Messiah for Jews, but he was a prophet. Jesus right. is not the savior for Islam, but he's a prophet. Right. All three of those religions talk about love. Correct. What so where's the disconnect? Right. Why why are we why are we cher cherry picking which parts of the religious texts we want to follow right it's you know it's a matter of, it's it's there's there's a lot of work to be done but i mean there there are a lot of uh a lot of good people doing it but we need to get more you know bad things happen and you know good people should show up to stop them from happening right that's exactly right and and everybody has a purpose and everybody can contribute in their own way 
You don't have to go on a speaking circuit. You don't have to write letters to the editor. You don't have to be at some high visibility event, but you can get a group of friends together and organize an event in your community. You can get a group of friends together and hold, uh, you know, workshops or learning events with children that just share ideas and share what it's like to be somebody on the receiving end of this system that was designed under slave times, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it doesn't matter. It could be, you know, how, what, what better influence than is it to have a room full of children where everybody's just talking about their experiences and other parents giving tidbits on how you could be a good friend and how you could be a good ally, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be anything big, but everybody can play a role and everybody can have a purpose and everybody has their own purpose. Not everybody's purpose is the same, True. but getting involved and doing something is uh, better than sitting on the sidelines and letting the snowball continue to manifest. The beauty of that idea is that it's, it's because it's going to take time, those kids that you're teaching those habits now, when yep. they're adults, when they're teenagers and adults, it's second nature. Yes. Like that's I said, you know, how, how you how you treat your, how, like you said, with, with mothers and their sons, how you teach your son as a right. boy is how he's going to act as a man. That's right. That's right. When my daughter was young, she's 14 now, um, but from the time she was young, I always taught her to look people in the eye no matter who it was. So she had a classmate who was disabled. And she was like, well, I just don't know how to react or respond to her. I said, well, is that person a human being? And my daughter said, yes. I said, then you treat that person like a human being. You see her for who she is. If she's having a hard time going up the stairs, you give her a hand and you help her because she's a person and we always see people for who they are. And whenever she sees, we live near Walter Reed there are some disabled veterans in the neighborhood. And when we take walks and we see that, you know, uh, disabled veterans in their wheelchairs in the neighborhood, she will look at them in the eye and say, hello, right? Because that's what people want that's at the end right. of the day. It's, everybody's a person, treat me like a human being. Nothing more, nothing less. It's really very simple. That's it. And somehow that, that well, it was, it, it was, it's lost in the framework and we need to reframe it. Just as simple. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Keep on educating. Keep on sharing. Keep on being active. Keep on talking. Keep on talking about it. Tell people what we want. You, you, we got to use our words. Yes. And we got to get people around us that believe in us. We got to build those relationships. And then if I say I'm going to do something, I need somebody to let me know that, hey, you're you getting off track. You're getting off track. Or yep. you're doing a good job. Keep it up. That's exactly you know, it's, right. It's not That's always right. about, you know, you got to catch people doing the right thing. So mm -hmm. we got to highlight those folks that are doing because that energizes and makes them want to continue. So we, we have to make sure we highlight the people that are that are doing the right thing. And we have the energy to change the things. That are. So and I, the, the more and more we talk, you know, we you and I talk, the more we talk as as, you know, as society, we we draw out solutions 
And I think the yeah. conversations just need to continue. I mean, I put, you know, one of the episodes, I was, was keep the same energy. You know, Blackout Tuesday came, everybody had their black squares, and they said, you know, they, they were showing support. But later on, let's keep it going. And when you see things that aren't right, don't don't let them continue. You know, just, just right. speak up. Well, and the next Blackout Tuesday should be every single, you know, it should be a movement across the country where every single person of color, every single ally holds back their economic uh, purchases from stores that are not contributing to the movement. July right? 7th. It, what's that? July 7th. And oh, was that when it is? That's when it is. Awesome. I didn't see it. So. July 7th. Awesome. So. Yeah, so, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, you gotta, unfortunately, we still live in a society that responds to money. So well. start pulling money from, I mean, you know, it's again, one of the big elements of the original civil rights, of the night, I shouldn't say original civil rights movement, but the civil rights movement in the 60s, right? Let's hold back our purchases. Let's make the companies around us feel our power where it hurts in the pocket. I yeah. appreciate your time. I appreciate you doing this and allowing me to be part of it because it's okay. an important conversation that needs to happen and it needs to happen among all people. So opinions can be, uh heard and formed and we can start to galvanize and, and mobilize and get some things done. I mean, I, right. my, my goal is to, as developing solid leaders, leaders that, you know, can motivate you, can give you purpose, direction, and improve, you know, the situation. So that, that that's a big deal. So I appreciate your uh, input. So Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. We'll definitely be, you know, talking more about what's happening and Coming up in November, which will be here before you know it. I mean, it was just March, you know, two days ago. Yeah. Hopefully we get back out into the world and, and kind of, I don't know what new, what normal is going to look like, but we'll be able to function at least. But, yeah. So with all the, the changes coming in the uh, local areas, stepping up and, and making individual changes, we'll see what Congress does. Oh, one question. One more yeah. question, and then I'll just put this in. What's the difference between equity and equality? I think equality stands apart from equity. I think if you have, if you're equal, you could build your own equity. I think if you're not equal, you have a harder time uh, building up your own equity. Right, I think one. I think equity is more reliant on equality. Equality is not reliant on equity. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Yep. Go enjoy. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it again, and uh, talk to you soon. Definitely. Keep me posted. Let I me will. know how I can help. I, I, I will. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care. You too. Bye. All right. There you have it. There's a couple of thoughts, ideas, uh, some solutions, and the possibilities are wide open, but it's going to take some work. We have work to do, so let's get it done. There's something we didn't cover in that, uh, that, that was a long episode. We, we talked a lot about a lot of things, but it needed to be had and needed to be in one episode, breaking it up in two, I think would have just slowed it down, but... 
if we missed something that you thought was relevant or you have an idea that we didn't touch on, let us know. You know how to reach me. Social media at Damien L. Butler or at The Manifest One. Check us out. Let us know so we can continue to work. We got a few months to go before we get this thing going. Hopefully we get it all right and changes start to come. Because who's in the White House now, who's in office now is a, a problem. But let's see what everybody does and how it works together. Get involved, stay involved. Democracy is not a part-time process. All right, party people, thanks for joining me. Let me know what you think. Check in. I'll see y'all soon. This is Damien L. Butler, and I'm out. <laughs>